The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times bestselling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. Hey, Dr. Bill here. We are going to do an exciting Meet the Mentor in just a moment. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to go home and change and do my regular routine. So we're doing this straight from my dental office. Um, Leap this year, can I have a brochure, is probably going to be virtual with a little tiny live component. Last year, because of COVID, ironically, it was our 13th year. We had to do the whole program virtually. The bad news, the good news is we got over a thousand students where we normally we have like 450 students. This year, our goal is to have 10,000 students on LEAP. So why do we do these Meet the Mentors? Well, typically when students come to UCLA, we have a really cool week called LEAP Week. And the week culminates in something called a mentor workshop. And that mentor workshop is an opportunity for students to sit and talk with great mentors about their careers. And we have doctors and lawyers and firefighters and screenwriters and actors and actors and you name it. But the students get an opportunity to really sit and and ask these professionals how they started their business, you know, what their challenges were, how they overcame these challenges and whatnot. Now, Leap Week ends and we don't want to just kind of leave you guys high and dry for a year. So we started doing these Meet the Mentors every week where we bring in different mentors who talk about their career. And this one's going to be an awesome one. Leap Week 2021 is going to be July 18th to the 24th. And again, it will have a virtual component and probably about 50 students live. If you're interested in getting information, just go to www.leapfoundation.com and you can find out everything you need to know about the program, or you can call us at 877-855-5327. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my friend. Um, Rob has had an amazing career, and most of you know who he is already. I'm going to read you the little short bio and some of his accomplishments. Rob is a form, oh, by the way, Dydrick's the last name, is a former professional skateboarder, entrepreneur, TV producer, and founder of the Dydrick Machine. The Dydrick Machine represents not only financial investment of Rob, but it's also his passion for partnering with disruptive, do-or-dire entrepreneurs, and he'll explain what that is, guiding them to achieve sustainable success. Using his proven method for predictable success, Rob works personally with his partners to help them realize their true passion and voice and turn it into a profitable, substantial brand. Now, some of his career highlights. He has been a professional skateboarder for 25 years. He started professionally around age 11. Um, He became a pro at 16 and left high school. He has... 200 signature skateboards. He has 37 signature shoes. He has 24 world records. 
He's created 26 different brands. Since launching in 2016, he's created 15 brands, five of which have exited for an aggregate of over $450 million. He's also produced television for 15 years from 2006 till now. He's done four shows on MTV with 600 episodes, and he has produced Rob and the Big, Fantasy Factory, Ridiculousness, and Amazings. Amazing Amazingness. How do you even say that, Rob? Amazingness. Amazingness. Anyhow, let me introduce you to my friend, Rob. And the thing that I really want to help these students understand, especially with you, is how you can successfully take a passion and make a living out of it. You know, a lot of us are passionate about different things. But the thing I love about your story is how you creatively created this empire from skateboarding. And who'd have thunk, you know, like 25 years ago that skateboarding would be kind of your springboard into all this. So let's go back to the beginning. You got your first skateboard at 11 years old. Talk about that, how that happened. Uh, you know, I, I really admired my sister's boyfriend. He used to rock like four bandanas on each arm and each leg. And I was like, man, that's cool. I need to I need to do that. And he was a skateboarder. So I actually bought my first skateboard from him. And I got so good so quickly that it was clear that this was like something uh, not only did I love to do, I was really good at and that I wanted to pursue this as as my passion. But you start skateboarding at 11 and within a, a, about a year, you actually got your first sponsor, which is like, now I can make money doing this. Talk about how that happened too. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I wanted to skate the ramp at the local skate shop. So I, I called and asked if I brought, got 10 people to pay, would they let me skate for free? And they thought it was so funny. They just let me come down and skate. And the first time that I skated, they were like, wow, you're really, you got a lot of potential. And I didn't know what the, the, the word meant, but they were like, you could be really good, you know, and, and them giving me that access now I was able to skate that ramp and I just progressed so quickly. And then that became sort of an epicenter of people recognizing my talent. And that's what led to that sponsorship, which then led to that's it. I got to be a pro skateboarder. That, that obsession and linear focus started from that point on. But the thing that's really cool about you, and I think that really has a lot of similarity with Leap is, you know, we always say at Leap, the fastest way to success is to find a great mentor. And you really have built your whole career on that because you're a guy who, you know, found this passion, you got this sponsor, and at 16, you pretty much stopped going to school and learned really from mentors and people around you. Can you kind of explain like how that happened and, and, and how you became so adept at at business, like you think, how can you run these multi-million dollar businesses when you have no education? Because yeah. you are educated in a completely different way. Yeah, and, and to give you an idea of how the sequence of mentors and how important it was, my first mentor was the skate shop owner. 
right? So I, the skate shop that I got sponsored for that led to the factory sponsor, he was a serial entrepreneur. So I was learning business from him at a very young age. And then the company I turned pro for, the founder and CEO of that company became my number one mentor. And now I learned how to essentially build a company from scratch and then operate it. So by the time I turned 18, uh, after moving, quitting school and moving to California, I started my first company right before my 18th birthday because I had you know, from 11, a serial entrepreneur mentor, then another startup CEO mentor. And then when I got to California, then I found another CEO mentor of drawers clothing that would eventually become DC footwear that became my shoe sponsor. What would you say are two or three of the most important things you learn from these sponsors from, you know, age 11 to, you know, say age 18? You know, I I think like for me, the big lesson that I got in that early stage was you got to define what you want and and understand the clearest path to it. And a lot of times you've got to ask for it. You know, sometimes it's not just about earning it, but go, go make that call. You know, I decided to call rather than like, I couldn't afford to skate at the skate shop, but I strategized and said, Hey, I'll call the skate shop and offer them value so that I can skate for free. But it led to me into the relationship with that mentor that then I watched what they were doing. And I learned from that. I, you know, I just think never underestimate just a cold call or talking directly to a person in charge of something that you wish to achieve, because the only way you can find out that they aren't willing to give it to you is to ask. You know, that is literally in the first hour of leap. I do a talk called Eagles and Turkeys, where we talk about the difference between flying like an eagle and just being a turkey. And mm-hmm. I say in the middle of that lecture, the most powerful three-letter word in the English language is A-S-K, ask. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I've experienced that myself. You know, when I came back from Switzerland and started practicing in Beverly Hills, they didn't need another cosmetic dentist. I found the five most successful guys in LA that were cosmetic dentists. I called them and I asked if I could come in and shadow them. I copied all the things they did better than they did. it Cause yeah. I had five, they only had each other yeah. and you know, it was a real advantage and you're right. You got to ask. And today young people are so afraid of asking what's the worst thing that can happen. Somebody says no. Right. Then you ask somebody else. Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, you got to be aligned. Like there's, there's tactics to make that ask more likely, right? Like when you came back from Switzerland and were deeply passionate and love everything about dentistry and had a vision for how to do your own version, like those, those other dentists connected with you and your passion and your knowledge. And so like the more you can learn ahead of an ask, so that you understand who they are and, and they know that really you've done all your homework and that this ask is really an opportunity. They know that you're going to actually uh, be able to fulfill what you want out of it. I think that goes a long way. Rather than asking blindly and not being prepared, um, you can actually give yourself better odds by educating yourself and having a plan with your ask as well. 
I think that's a brilliant, brilliant suggestion. And I'll tell you something. When you do ask people, you're right. Know who you're asking. You know, if you go in for an interview at a job and you haven't Googled the person interviewing you, shame on you. You know, you should know everything that's out there about that person. And same thing when you ask somebody, make sure you know. I've, I've probably had over a thousand young students come into my dental office and shadow me. And I'll never forget, in particular, there was this one guy who came in and he just sat in the room, sitting on his phone, not really watching what we're doing, not really paying attention. And, you know, when I finished with the patient, I'm like, why are you here? You know, like, you know, you want something to put on your resume that you went and shadowed a dentist? Like, you're not even like participating. I said, do you know anything about me? He's like, well, no, not really. I'm like, do me a favor, sit down at the computer, Google me. And in a half hour, when you're done reading, if you still want to stay, come in and pay attention or just go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, for me, I have this super comprehensive website where I lay out all aspects of how I create businesses. And it's incredibly technical and over the head of almost... Uh, any normal entrepreneur and but it's I put it up there because I want when someone cold emails me when they've gone through and really pitched their idea through the lens that they've read and study how I create I'll take that pitch serious versus the person that tries to like tell me I got this amazing idea that would be a great fit for the deer deck machine right like it's that sort of that sort of nuance as someone on the other side, you look at the same way if somebody comes in and is telling you about these nuanced things that you did that you're then you're flattered and be like, okay, you really want to be here that that way of thinking applied in all aspects of life will will take you really far. It's not just in what you want, but in everything you do. Totally. Okay, so you start your first company at what 18? And what was that company? It was called Orion Trucks. It was the metal part that goes on the wood with that the wheels attached to. And I built it entirely soup to nuts, like named it, hand drew the logo, put the whole team together, got a manufacturer, did the entire thing. And it was rewarding. It was like, wow, just like I was raised by these entrepreneurs, I'm one too, right? I just built my own company. It was extremely fulfilling. And so you kept that company for how long? Uh, You know, I want to say that one of the early things I learned in that day was uh, having a manufacturing partner uh, that that was inconsistent and was detriment to the business, but I didn't know how to evolve from it. And I just sort of uh, eventually got broken by how difficult um, sort of managing the supply chain, if you will, and that partnership that just eventually faded after five years, you know. And then what happened? What was next? I mean, you, and for me, I never, I was also someone that never just did one thing, right? Uh, you know, I was doing my still professional skateboarder. I had, you know, starting business after business. I was attempting all different types of 
of avenues of where was potential revenue streams based off of this, you know, whether that's creating, you know, I call, I, I look, I wrote a letter to Nike when I was 18 years old, explaining about the evolution of sport and how the opportunity was this emergence of professional skateboarding. And they sent me a letter back saying, Hey, we appreciate this, but there's, we don't believe uh, there's an opportunity in this space. Of course, now they have a multi-billion dollar skate footwear division. Uh, But that was the type of shots I just kept taking at a young age. And then I eventually uh, found Drawers Clothing and they wanted to launch a new footwear brand. And I had pitched the same idea of we wear Nikes when we're not skating. Why don't we combine the idea of skate footwear and athletic footwear and make an athletic skate footwear? Um, and we, we did that. And that was my very first signature shoe, the Rob Beardeck one. And that was like the huge life changer for me because now – now I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and another watched another big company come alive and another great mentor in the CEO of that company that really propelled my, my trajectory as a business person. And then at some point you launched Rob and big. Yeah. And that was, I believe your first venture into kind of the entertainment world, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I, at this, at this point I'd done, I had been multiple businesses and all these different, so many different things. And I, I had did it. I had to film my skate video and there's so much pressure on you because it's basically a collection of your best tricks over a two year period. And I wasn't at at the level that I needed to be, but I, so I needed to come up with an idea that would make my part shine without just my skateboarding. And I wrote a skit for that skate video uh, of we go to to skate spots and there's always security and they kick us out because we're skating on private property. From now on, I'm going to bring my big homie with me and security guards can talk to each other. And it was just more this fun, funny skit for a skate video. And then it got recognized by Ruben Fleischer and Jeff Tremaine of Jackass, who were like, you should make, you two should make a television show together. And it was like, all right, let's give it a shot. And, you know, next thing you know, I have a full, my own television reality show based in my house in the Hollywood Hills on MTV. And again, a complete new trajectory in life and a new plateau and platform to begin to build businesses and find opportunity from, you know. Now, did you like engage in any kind of like real acting training or anything, or you just did it all by the seat of your pants? You know, I mean, that is, you know, I, but, but I'll tell you what I did do. The moment I was given that opportunity I learned everything that I could. I just kept absorbing like the the process of production. And and every time we would shoot, I would begin to understand what's working, what's not. So I could begin to adjust how we develop these. I I could begin to see the narrative that I was creating and how could I position it around my signature boards and, and these new companies that I started, which allowed me to use the MTV platform as a commercial now, right? So- I not just landed there, but then I learned all of these different things that made me a better producer and talent on this show. So I could actually maximize the opportunity instead of just letting the opportunity happen to me. You know, man, we have so much in common there. So 
you know, when ABC put me on Extreme Makeover, it was really one of the first reality TV shows. And, you know, dentistry, I had that down. Acting, not so much. You know, I'm watching the first few episodes and I was like a deer in headlights. I was horrible, you know, and, you know, instead of waiting till they caught on to how bad I was and fired me, I immediately took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes, because what we yours was a lot of action. Ours was a lot of narrative. I had to explain what was going on and how I was talking to the patients and this and that and the other thing. And um, I also, like you, used ABC as a platform to advertise Zoom whitening. You know, I owned the company. I invented Zoom, not video conferencing. I wish I did, but Zoom tooth whitening. So back in the day, before there were all these restrictions and everything, I realized what a great opportunity that was to, you know, to promote Zoom. And so that was my deal with ABC was I said, you don't have to pay me. I was the only person on Extreme Makeover that didn't get paid. The plastic surgeons, the hair, all of them got paid. I said, don't pay me. Just mention Zoom in every episode and we're good. Yeah, and, and you know, it, that it, it grew. I love that about your story because, it, again, how we're so similar. Like, it's like, hey, this is actually a platform for both my office and clientele. And, hey, I'm going to – and I bet when you threw Zoom on there, it was like – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this on there because I'm doing this right now, but never in your wildest dreams could imagine how much amplification that media did. Right. Yeah. And you so know, for, and- look, and for me, like I then my next show fantasy factory, I then said I would only do the show if you gave me complete control of the media rights. And then I built the show that the show was a comedy around all of my businesses. So now not just using the background, I built an entire show that I owned the media and every bit of content was around all of the stuff, right? Which like, again, you know, we think the same way and, and that idea of like, okay, you've been given an opportunity. There's a ways to maximize it even further and leverage what you've done to get even more out of what's just sitting right in front of you that I think both of us naturally do in everything we do, you know? Yeah, no. And it was super powerful. You know, I mean, it's crazy. I always tell students at LEAP, you will have life-defining moments. And sometimes you plan them, sometimes you don't. And they really change the trajectory of your life radically, you know? And it's funny because when ABC first, you know, put me on the show, you know, they had 10 plastic surgeons. I said, no, you know, and, you know, you touched on something earlier and I was going to mention it. We didn't talk about it. But it's like when you do this ask thing, one of the most powerful ways that you can get a yes from somebody is by offering them something too. And you had touched on that. We didn't really go into it. And so what I did with ABC was I said, listen, you know, the, the, the first case I did, once we got picked up for 26 episodes, we had to do 20 porcelain veneers, 10 uppers, 10 lowers. It was a $30,000 case. And ABC's like, we, we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't schedule that much for dental. I said, well, that's what it costs. They said, well, can you just do three veneers instead of 20? I'm like, what, like every other tooth? 
Like, no, I said, she needs 20 veneers. And that's when I had this life defining moment. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll do all the dentistry for free. If I'm the only dentist, if you highlight Zoom in every episode, if you mention Da Vinci veneers in every episode, because I didn't want to get stuck with the lab bill. And if you let me find the patient, a dentist to cover after we finish, because I don't want to like do all this dentistry and then, you know, their teeth fall out. I want you to let me find them a dentist that will take care of them for at least a year after the show. They agreed to all four of those. And little by little, my company exploded. We pretty much tripled in size while I was on Extreme Makeover as a result of that, you know, life-changing moment. So, you know, it's it's not just about taking opportunity. It's about maximizing it. Yeah. And, and for, again, provide as much value as you can uh, in exchange for your ask when you can, you know, and, and see to like the same way at, at, you know, 11 years old, it was like, I'll get 10 people to pay so that you make revenue. If you let me do it for free, I apply it, you know, even when I negotiate with the networks, uh, for seasons of ridiculousness, I still am negotiating with the head of network. And it's like, we negotiated on the unit economics of the show because I produced it that, Hey, what can I, what would be better for you and your business as a distributor of content that would allow me to have more consistency in larger orders. That's how we negotiated rather than saying like, Hey, I'll just stick with 30 episode orders. And until you're done, which most TV works like that. Now I get 250 episode orders at a time, which is just unprecedented in television, all from an ask and providing value, the same system, you know, that's awesome. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the Deerdick machine. Yeah. Can you explain it to our students so they understand what it is? You know, like really, I call it a venture creation studio. Um, and essentially, it's a business that builds businesses. And so I'm trying to master curating both entrepreneurs and ideas um, and then shaping them into profitable, sustainable businesses that can be acquired. Uh, or are really profitable, right? And so really, you know, I've done, I launched it, I launched it in 2016, after I spent about two years developing the system. um, And then have done 15 different businesses and sold five of those uh, so far along the way and try to build between uh, three and five each year, right? Because my true life's passion is the creation stage of business. And like, I love having a huge stake in a company and having the big idea that I created with a like-minded co-founder, right? And so business is extraordinarily amazing, except for when your business doesn't work. Then it's like this gut-wrenching, terrible, soul-sucking chaos. It's amazing, except when it's not amazing. So do me a favor, pick one. Pick one that since 2016 that yeah. you've worked on, maybe one of the ones that you, of the five that you sold and yeah. kind of take us through the process. And along the way, tell students how they can contact you if they have a great idea that they'd like to pitch to you. Yeah. And, and look on DeerDickMachine.com, I have a full 
a setup where you can go there and, and I have sort of a script of how I'd like to see a video pitch. Uh, so I'd, I'd rather than get a deck from somebody, I want to feel the energy and see their passion and understand uh, who they are and what their idea is. Uh, but for me, you know, I, I, I call it before you start when, right? Where it's like, decide what you want the outcome of a business is before you ever start it. And then build your plan completely backwards from that point. And the first time I did that was I took where I had the most advantage in the marketplace. And that was with a production company. And so in 2016, um, I met with a guy who had just sold his company for 150 million. And I said, hey, can you just walk me through the process of what I need to do to build a production company? company uh, and sell it for $150 million. And he shared with me a bunch of the stuff that he did. And then he advised me to, to meet this group of bankers. I met with them. They gave me further advice. And then I built a plan on how to build and sell this company in three years, right? Because those bankers were saying, hey, you need three years of profits. Your business is going to trade on six times uh, profits and another production company will buy you for your profits once you have three years of consistency. I, what was my advantage? I had a television show. I went out and um, got the production rights of my own television show by giving them two extra seasons of my talent deal. And then I went and sold four shows. And overnight, I went from zero to a $50 million business in one year. And at, at, the, at the year three mark, when we had decided that's when we were going to build to sell it, I renegotiated with the network now to have a better story instead of getting those 30 episode orders. I negotiated with them on the economics now that I understood that of the show and got the first big uh, mega order. And then I immediately took it to market and then sold that business. And it is the mastery of shaping, building, creating, and selling from just an idea all the way to one in a before you start win concept, you know, and I try to apply that same sort of pathway to every single business that I do. I love that. So let's say I'm a student watching this and I'm super inspired and maybe skateboards isn't really my thing. Maybe it is. But if there's something that I'm passionate about and I want to basically build a business, a career all around that, what are some of the things that you think would be helpful for me to know or do? Yeah, because I think it doesn't matter what you choose to do, right? You could be a pro skateboarder. You could be, I want to own my own clothing line. I want to start my own uh, dentistry school, right? Like no matter what the ending has to be really clear, right? Like you have to have such a clear flag in the ground of where you want to get to and what that victory will be. And then you have to slowly begin to map it out backwards by just clear milestones because the ones closer to your goal, you're not going to fully understand because you're, you haven't educated or learned yet. But the first milestone you have to cross you have got to know it as clear as day and understand how you're going to get there because multiple things are going to happen, right? 
you now have something you believe is possible because it's clear to you and you know how you're going to get to that first milestone. The progression towards that first milestone is going to give you energy and give you self-belief that like, wow, I can do this. And when you get to that milestone for the first time, you're now going to be like, wow, I can really get to this end. And then your next milestone will become even more clear. And here you go again, heading off in that direction, getting energy from the progression towards it, getting more self-belief in yourself as you progress towards it. And the same way, if you never make it to that first milestone, you will never make it to the second and certainly never make it to the very end. And you have got to reevaluate if what you've set out to choose to do is possible for you in the first place. That's, that's I believe anything you want to achieve in life is about five milestones away and that it's on you to identify clearly how to get to the first one to prove to yourself that you could get to the last one. And you know what I think is a really important thing to- too, is when you're building a team, you need to make sure that you're sharing that vision with your team members. Because I see so many entrepreneurs make this mistake. I'll give you a great analogy. Let's say you have a thousand piece crossword puzzle and somebody just gives you a bag of puzzle pieces, mm-hmm. says do the puzzle. Now, how much easier would it be if they gave you the bag of puzzle pieces And they also showed you what the finished picture is going to look like. And a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we've got that picture in our head and we've got the puzzle pieces. And then we bring along people and all they have are the pieces. They don't have that final picture, you know. And so you're asking them to create a, a puzzle, but they don't know it. And I think you're dead on. You need to have a very clear vision and share that vision with your team. Otherwise, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, and align the goals of that vision as well, right? So that like everybody's marching on the same with the same intent, especially, you know, when you build a company to sell, you have to also align the management, your partners, everybody along the way that like, hey, here's the intent. This isn't like necessarily to build and and be our passion project forever. Uh, This is still there's sort of a transactional aspect that everybody on board would want to be a part of, you know. Yeah. So of all the things you've done professionally, what would you say you're most proud of? I, you know, I, I'm, you know, as opposed to a singular accomplishment as it relates to, because I've had an unusually dynamic existence, right? And that includes, you know, being attacked by sharks and jockey and racehorses and breaking world records for jumping cars 90 feet backwards. I'm the only human being to ever barrel roll a front wheel vehicle ramp to ramp. You know, like I've had this extraordinary life of highlights and all this stuff. But I, when I eventually grew into deciding 
to design the life that I wanted to live, the, the who I was and how I uh, wanted to live and what I wanted to do into a fully symbiotic plan. That's when I truly became happy and really became fulfilled. And, and I think getting to that point of self-discovery and building a clear life plan and then going out and, and achieving that, I still look at that as like, my greatest accomplishment because the end game was just true happiness, you know? Yeah. And you do that really well. So what's next? I mean, you've done so many amazing things. What's next on, uh, on your to-do list? You know, I mean, for me, it's really expanding sort of my my business philosophy a little bit further. You know, I launched the Do or Dyer Entrepreneur Foundation and, and committed a million dollars to it where I'm going to allow um, uh, first-time entrepreneurs and underserved communities to pitch me uh, business plans through our machine method framework and then grant them the money to go out and chase the dream. Um, you know, I, I built a a digital series called Build with Rob that is sort of all the lessons that I've learned and all of these companies that I've created and with my founders so that that I can share sort of the process that, I, that I've gone through and the amount of lessons that I've learned. Um, and then I built a community of what I call the machinists of where I want everybody to help me make these companies together. So, um, that can be a feedback loop of consumer collaborators with me. So to me, it's how do I build this beautiful, fully integrated platform of media and brands and then just do what I love to do of curating ideas and entrepreneurs and building them through this platform over and over, have big wins and put that money back into the foundation and help the next generation, right? That's the, the vision, at least for the next 10 years, you know. That's awesome. Rob, thank you so much for, uh, for speaking to our students. If there are students listening that want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, you know, best way to, to connect with me is on, on, from a business standpoint is on DirdickMachine.com. And then, of course, just Rob Dyrdek on Instagram. I'm just sitting there living life. So feel free to show up there. All right. Thank you so much. And I will see you at a meeting in about a half hour. That's right. Appreciate you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Dr. Bill, over and out. To learn more about the Leap Foundation, go to leapfoundation.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leapfoundation or on Instagram at leapfoundation. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.